Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele. And guess what, listener? We might not have half an episode this time. Hey, yeah, barring, uh, <laughs> fingers crossed, no no technical difficulties this time around. <laughs> well, we, we certainly started with some te- technical difficulties a moment ago, so knock on wood, uh, microphone picks up properly. <laughs> <laughs> so, how are you doing? I am pretty good, actually. Been uh, back in the gym last couple of days, got some energy back, feeling pretty good. Yeah, there we go. That's That's awesome, buddy. That makes one of us... I've been <laughs> not back in the gym. <laughs> I was supposed to run today, but I was so lazy I didn't uh, wash my two pairs of running shorts that I have. So I had to do some laundry and wasn't able to get it done in time to record. But uh, it's okay. Tomorrow's a new day, right? I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Why start today? What well, you could start tomorrow. That's what the, how the saying goes, right? Exactly. You know, like I always say, I have a body for podcasting. Oh. <laughs> as far as listener knows i'm the most ripped person ever <laughs> i'm going to be uh pretty quickly back in the netherlands with my beloved so uh gotta get back in a fucking shape that's oh, right fighting shape i mean yeah, yeah, yeah sorry uh, freudian slip there <laughs> <laughs> well I, I mean there's lots of windmills for you to fight you're gonna be on the european continent which is which is Go at war <laughs> <laughs> Which is at war. You may have to, you know, defend the Netherlands from invasion. You never know. I mean, yeah, it's getting crazy over there. It is. It is, buddy. Um, So banter segment to start us off. Uh, You got something? Oh, you're chewing. How quaint. I was crunching an ice cube. Yes, I do have something. And I have something that I'm sure you will like and may already be aware of. But uh, May 5th, the... Next expansion for Digital Wingspan drops. The uh, European expansion with a bunch of new birds with, you know, different new powers. And all of which is, if you're if you're familiar with the physical version, obviously, it's nothing new. It's just the digital implementation of, you know, an expansion that has been out for, I don't know, a year and a half, two years, or however long it's been out, right? Um, but, I mean... I'm excited for it. I I think I, I could see myself picking it up. Um, we've we've talked about the digital wingspan bef- uh, a few episodes ago and how great of an implementation it is. Yeah, it's it's really good. You know, I've got several friends into it. Um, first of all, thank you uh, because I did pre-order that expansion, but I didn't know when it dropped. Um, oh. Just on Steam, when I checked the store page, it was like coming soon. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, so really good to hear that. Um, still play the game pretty much daily. It it is an excellent implementation there. And I think part of the problem is, is I need something to mix up my games so I can hopefully get more birds because I'm like, yay, 80 point game. And then Emma will message me with a screenshot of like 106 points. She'll be like a good start to my morning. And I'll be like, yeah, thanks, Emma. So... Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't enjoy playing it when she, when she was here in, um, February, you can play pass and play, right? Yeah. So we were just both sitting in at the computer at my computer and playing against like three other like hard AIs. And of course I'm getting curb stomped by everybody, including Emma. (laughs) (laughs) She's coming out on top. So I don't know how she does it with this like original bird list. I want to be like, Emma, these birds have no answers. 
<laughs> it's, it's, and you know, I'm so quick now because I've memorized the birds. Like whenever a bird that I like pops up, it's like instantly draw it, you know, like at the start or whether from the pool. But, you know, I always end up between almost every game between like 60 and 75 points. It's very tight. Yeah, I, I don't do a, a, well, a good enough job paying attention to the uh, round scoring. Whereas, you know, Emma will be, Emma will, and, and, you know, players that are proficient at the game will be looking at every single round, not just the current round you're in, right? And already building to future rounds. Yeah. And it's actually nice, though, in the digital where you just click on, the, you know, on the round scoring. And for every round, you see everyone's progress, like, at any point in the game, which is really, really handy. But it's still... A, it's just a click away. It's just, it's a, just click a click away. away. It's just a <laughs> click away. Um, yeah, I'm like Emma. I do play for the round, but uh, unlike Emma, I don't, it doesn't seem to help me win the game. Even if I tend to score high, I don't know. You know, it's like the opponent has the same amount of turns as me, and most things will be pretty equal, except I'll have like six eggs at the end of the game, and the AI will have like 23. I'll be like, where were you laying all these eggs? I was going to say, like, it always seems like there's one AI that is just eggs, 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 eggs. And it's like, what the, how do you have, one, how do you have birds to, and nests to fill with all these fucking eggs? Like, what are you doing? Why are your birds so fertile? I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I hope, and I assume, uh, with the success of Wingspan in general, but I assume the Oceana expansion will be, the, will come fairly quickly and probably is already being worked on. And that is the expansion that's, that's cool because it introduces nectar, which is like a wild food. Right. Yeah. So that'll be cool. And then you'll have the whole gambit of birds from a lot of parts of the world. Yay. <laughs> Come to me, my birds. Flock to me. <laughs> no, that that sounds awesome. First piece of banter I got. I mean, this this one is absolutely no surprise. Top Gun 2 finally coming out May 27th, I believe. Yep, May 27th. I'm going to take the day off work, most likely get my hair done. I <laughs> should probably hit the gym. I'm going to be Iceman after like Burger King. Um, <laughs> many trips, <laughs> many trips. He just, you know, lands that fighter jet right in the parking lot. It's like nothing you've ever seen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm going with, uh, wouldn't be caught dead listener, Amanda, too. <laughs> I'm just thinking, can I call her a listener? But she wouldn't listen to five seconds. Yeah, no, shit. she's a, she's a real peach. That's right. <laughs> Especially compared to me. Um, so that's that's the plan for May 25th. Um, that's the first banter I have. So do you have a, a second one? No, hit, hit me with yours. Well, this one is more, I want to call it a rant because I'll probably just talk for 30 seconds. It, it's a lamentation is what it is. Mm. So. If listener remembers the early years of the podcast, probably especially year one and two, maybe not so much after that. LRM Review, I believe the website's lrm-review.com. Latino Review Media uh, was a website that used to be really good at uh, cracking scoops, um, information on movies, especially TV coming out. Um, that uh, Honestly, they had a lot of scoops and it was really well done. Their Their interactions with people and they would like, 
run a weekly segment where like just people could comment and if they liked what you said about like a suggestion for a show to review or a topic they would do something on that so they did a number of topics that i suggested but um the website's just really gone downhill and i can't tell if it's like due to lack of funding to covid or they got greedy but it's turned into one of those websites where like no joke but you, you almost can't navigate it to the news because like pop-ups just pop up saying like, you know, learn to get big muscles in Vancouver, Canada or something like these pop-ups everywhere. I can't find the news and the news when I finally do find it, it's like not scoops. It's like, you know, Will Smith was the slap slappy. And it's like, well, of course it was like <laughs> it's just like dumb shit. So I don't know if they lost their writers or why they, their, their website used to be really well designed. But, you know, it's just it's sad as a fanboy to have, you know, had my formative years with the podcast with this website as a major source of banter specifically, to be honest. You know, it's it's pretty much unusable. I don't think I'll ever go back after today unless it's curiosity so it's just sad wow yeah yeah because yeah. i mean honestly i forgot that place existed because because you stopped mentioning it right because uh it was it's not a site that i pervade myself but you would always bring up i always uh, brought an it article up. you read or seen on it yeah absolutely i think we've we've posted an lrm um article in the in the show notes uh, a few times in the past yeah, I think as I think about it right now in the moment, you know, I, I recall that I think it started with their scoops being less good and their articles not being as good. And then there was definitely less interaction, which made me check it less often because now I'm only checking it for podcast news for the most part. Um, so I think that kind of started me downhill on not checking it a lot, but to turn into one of those clickbaity pop-up ads everywhere, can't navigate the site anymore, disaster shows. I think it's because I probably checked it for the first time like a year, maybe a little more in the last couple of days prepping for this. And uh, yeah, it's a lamentation listener. Early listeners probably not going to hear from LRM Review uh, anymore here. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's disappointing so. uh, when something that you really like, like and enjoy, right? Just kind of goes on. I wonder had you been keeping up with the site and how 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 slowly it progressed because it kind of it feels like a lot of times when you're in something all of a sudden like you snap your fingers and it's changed but mm -hmm. it's it's never overnight right it's it's always this progression that you just don't realize what's happening around you i mean obviously that could be applied to a lot of aspects of life um but then you know suddenly it's just like oh this is this is not my beautiful house <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> What's happening? No, that's a good. That's a good pull right there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. That could very well be true. I also think that just the slow degradation of content was already happening while I was there, and that's why I checked it less and less. But you're right. There did come to a point that was cold turkey for some reason, where I literally just stopped going, and I would just find banter out from Google or Rotten Tomatoes or anywhere else that I was uh, looking up, um, you know, news, IGN. I, I mean, there's so many sites I go to on a daily basis, but uh, yeah. 
and a Venera. So I just wanted to throw that out. I don't want to dwell on that too, too much. Um, okay, well, I mean, let's just move right into Video Game Variety Show then. Uh, kind of the lost segment that we <laughs> we have recorded before. Um and we'll be freshly recording it again <laughs> because we did lose. It was unsalvageable from last episode, unfortunately. Yeah, and we, we've never actually had this happen before in our close to five years, listener, where we've had to re-record a segment. Yeah, yeah. I think the reason we're doing it, though, is, I mean, it was a decent segment, right? Like, I liked how it turned out, so I think it's worth it giving it another shot, especially since it's a predictive segment you know if we were reviewing sonic the hedgehog one it wouldn't be so topical but <laughs> well let me ask you this has has your list changed so we're talking about we kind of made a top five of uh games new or old that we want to revisit or finally get to and clear out the back catalog has anything on your list changed from a month ago Oof, that is debatable but i would lean to no and it's a very good question but two things have happened number one i've been pc gaming more with my friend nathan about every week and a half and nathan tends from what i'm seeing not wanting to play the same game several times he's suggesting new games which isn't isn't sustainable for me due to the cost like i i don't want to be blowing you know a hundred bucks on a new PC game every two or three weeks forever going forward. Um, by the way, and also like the hard drive on my gaming PC, even though it's a great gaming PC is filling up due to it, due to this, you know, 30 friggin' gigs at a time plus hunt. It's like, Oh, hunt has new skin. <laughs> Here's 40 gigs. I'm like, wow, great. Yeah. It was 40 gigabytes of Grammy foam music. I would accept. That. Yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. But none of these skins. So the short answer is is no, I didn't change my list. Now, the one thing is I did order as Fire Emblem tactical game. I think it's called Fire Emblem, like Three Flames or Three Swords or something. I don't even know the name. But I heard it was it was on a list I read of like good tactical combat games, uh, kind of similar to uh, Wasteland 3 and a game that will be on my list. You know, hint, hint. But I like that tactical combat. Ghost Marty from Hell whispered in my ear one night. He's like, play Wasteland. So I did, and I enjoyed it. Um, and so this Fire Emblem game for Nintendo Switch is similar. Now, I, it doesn't knock anything off my list. And to be honest with my list, I don't know if I'll get to it this year, um, even though it's coming off eBay, but would probably be an honorable mention. But I'll flip that question back at you. Has your list changed? Yeah, I've uh, I've removed a game and added uh, another, and, and it was only just this week that I did actually, um, <laughs> because I I too have a a, a cluttered uh, solid state drive on my PC. It's not I do need I need to get a second one honestly. A tangent on that actually, I did order a second one, and out here. Amazon likes to use their fucking garbage and telecom courier, oh, and I, I swear, them. I get. Like, two out of three things from them. A third of the time, I do not get my package. So fucking frustrating. I always get my, I always get a refund from Amazon because it's fucking Amazon, right? But still. So I, I did order and, and buy a hard drive, a second hard drive, second SSD, and I just, it didn't show up. Eventually it got returned to sender. I got my money. Ah, so frustrating. Dude, I, so I, feel, I feel you, man. I can't use them. 
I can't, I cannot, I will actively choose against the one day shipping because of those guys. First of all, I mean, they're located, I think, halfway across the country, their head offices. Second of all, like, I work now, nowadays I work a job where I'm like half remote, half in the office. But on days where I'm in the office, like, if they start ringing my buzzer and it comes through to my phone, they won't deliver it like just lean it against my door. They won't bring it to my landlady. They won't do anything like that. And one time I had them, it was, it was like a coloring book for my niece or something, but they just left it outside like busy oh. apartment building. I know yeah. they didn't know what it was. And it, you know, I, I live in a good unit or a good apartment building, thankfully, but I mean, it's right out there for anybody to take. And it's busiest part of our town. So True. Oh, I feel your frustration, buddy. Well, I, <laughs> I, uh, they, I always get things sent to, to, to work and they are terrible at delivering to businesses because one, okay. So one, I always select no weekend deliveries and I have in the shipping instructions that it is a business. I will inevitably, I cannot order things <laughs> later in the week than Tuesday because inevitably if I order something on Thursday, there will be a scan on the Saturday and then on the Sunday and then come Monday, it gets turned around. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. <laughs> oh my God. It's just, oh, so fucking frustrating. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> yes. I, I have a, I have a cluttered, uh, cluttered solid state and I was deleting some games trying to make room to redownload uh, Call of Duty Warzone on it. Cause a bunch of people in the incursible party discord wanted to play again and yada, yada, yada. And then I was like, oh, hello, old friend. Welcome back to the Solid State Drive. Welcome to the memory, to the memory palace. So yeah, so I had to, I switched something because now I have, I have an intense craving. But let me start with my number five. Let's kick off this list. Let's do it. Number five for me is Horizon Forbidden West. I know you had recently picked up uh, the original Zero Dawn or whatever the hell. I never, I always mix up that. You got it, Zero Dawn. Boom. <laughs> I really want to play Forbidden West. I mean, Zero Dawn was great. Um, I, I, how do you not like a third person uh, action adventure open world game? I mean, those are all things that I love. And there's cool robots, and you get a bow and arrow. <laughs> That's dope. Plus, Aloy did make the top my five top uh, video game characters of all time list that we did a number of episodes ago. So Aloy is a great protagonist. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fantastic choice. And you're right that I, I did download Zero Dawn. That's to actually prepare myself for playing Forbidden West. Spoilers, not on my list because I'm quite sure I won't get to it this year. Um, if I do, it's because I sub it for something else. But uh, I think that's a great pick. And open world, you know, I, I'll, I'll quote Hansel or paraphrase Hansel. Open world, so hot right now. So hot. Open world. <laughs> Hey, buddy, just because you finally played one with Breath of the Wild forever ago, <laughs> they've always been hot. They're always hot. They're all, I guess they are always hot. But I I never wanted to play like Assassin's Creed because sure it was open world, but it's like go to this point and this will happen there. And that's on your map. So it's like, yeah, where's the fun? It's because Assassin's, Assassin's Creed's stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. I, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Goo Goo Baby Mold, but, you know, I don't want to hold. I don't want anybody holding my hand. My hand is to hold the goo-goo rattle, okay? It's not to be held by the game. I can hold my own Your baby toys. <laughs> okay, well, in the interest of time, uh, well, speaking of open world, this is this is no surprise, but, uh, oh, 
This cannot be on my list. Because in the last month, this was officially delayed to 2023. I forgot that. Mm. So number five listener was going to be Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, which at the time we recorded the last show, um, it was due for a late 2022 release. It has now officially been bumped to 2023. So instead, I will make a sub from what it was on my uh, my honorable mentions list, uh, which is Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium, I'm actually not sure what it is about, but <laughs> Ghost Smarty suggested Wasteland 3, which I absolutely adored. Uh, there's another one on this list that he says is exactly like Wasteland 3 that I like. And, you know, he's just been on a hot streak, Ghost Marty. You know, he doesn't have anything else to do nowadays. He just, you know, burns in hellfire and plays video games. So uh, <laughs> Disco Elysium is, is going to be my number five. That's good. That's a good pick. That could have been on my list because actually very recently it was on sale on Steam and I got it for like 13 bucks. Awesome, buddy. So I, I need to make sure that it makes it into the memory palace. <laughs> you go, baby. What's your number four? Number four for me is Wasteland 3. You and Marty just raved and raved and raved about this while the two of you were playing simultaneously. And I have played a very very little bit of it and i like the grid the you know the kind of the grid based X-Com-y. squad combat i really like that yes i really like that from xcom 2 um speaking of which xcom 2 i believe by the time this releases should be free on the epic games launcher Ooh. for those that are interested very good snag xcom xcom 2 is great but I am excited to get into Wasteland 3 and kind of get that same feel, but like with the post-apocalyptic humor of it, you know, the the, the sadistic satire and like you have, you just, you love the soundtrack of it, which I'm excited to experience while I'm in the moment of the combat and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to to dive into it, but it's a, it was a pretty lengthy one. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty lengthy. I mean, I played the heck out of it, so I think I probably beat it in well maybe a week and a half of playing two weeks but it was like all i played now that said and this is probably going to be same true for you uh there were two expansions that were woven into my game now i didn't actually notice they were expansions they were so well put into the game that i just assumed both of these places you go to which have long segments um each of them was just part of the normal campaign like it was really really well integrated now had those not been there i would actually call it quite a short game because those were the two longest segments of the entire game okay so interesting i would say probably those two segments were 40 percent of my play time uh both both segments recommended like i'm not going to spoil you what they are where they are what happens both were worth it but um yeah quite long so cool My number four is actually the only game on this list that I actually started. Um, It was last year and then my other computer got busted, but I only played like, I don't know, 10 minutes. Uh, Mass Effect 2. Um, Love Mass Effect 1. Uh, My friend Joe, who actually bought me all of the Mass Effect games, uh, well, he bought me the Legendary Edition, which is all three. Um, Mass Effect 2. It's really cool because I haven't played a game like this. Basically, download your character and all your relationships from the first game 
and carries them forward into the second game. So like your squad who can change your relationship with your squad, your relationship with certain NPCs, your relationship period, because you can have a partner being in a romantic relationship that carries forward. Um, so I really like that continuity. I thought that was special. Luckily, I heard that that game is the save file is stored in the cloud on Steam, which is great because, again, I lost my file and I have very little impetus to move forward with it. If I don't have that save file, I still probably will. But that's why it's like number four on my list, whereas it would be number one. Like if this was if it was still on my computer and I hadn't had to play it yet, it would be number one. That's cool. You got the original trilogy because I have heard that you can skip Andromeda. <laughs> I've heard it's that as well. It's not very well done, apparently. <laughs> I was never into the Mass Effect games. I played a bit of the first one. Uh, to me, they feel ridiculously overrated. Maybe I would enjoy them now, but there's no way I would have the time or take the time to go back to them at all. So uh, that's cool that you're enjoying them, though. Yeah, yeah. So back at you. Okay, my number three is what bumped... Originally, I had Resident Evil 2 Remake on this list. Um, you know, I was just kind of walking by my where I had my game stored and just caught my eye and pulled me towards it. But uh, I just feel the call of the trains. Oh, no. I feel them. Factorio. 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 I, I want to fucking dive into this game so badly but i am holding off so i'm holding off i'm holding off for my trip to see emma because uh she she started volunteering at like an animal shelter a few times a week so basically when she's off doing that i'm gonna be all bum and lonesome and instead of exploring the wonderful netherlands (laughs) on my own i'm going to be holed up inside running my trains and fighting (laughs) the biters of an alien world (laughs) and making sure everything is automated perfectly and my belts are running all the ore and the metal pieces and uh and the stroopwafel factorio (laughs) yes the stroopwafel in the back of the trains (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah i factorio i mean I, I i i circle back around to this game like i think pretty much once like every year year and a half and i play i play it i play the fuck out of it for like a month like you know 50 to 100 hours in like a month month and a half and then suddenly i just stop mm. and the itch has been satisfied the cravings subside my shakes I mean, the the few days after, you get the shakes a little bit, but then they kind of sort themselves out pretty quickly. And then I go on until one day I'm cleaning out my solid state drive, my hard drive, and I see. I see her. And there she is. And the trains, they honk. <laughs> they, Woo! they honk And they you. call. Leland, Leland, <laughs> we miss you. Uh, I miss you too, trains. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Back- Factorial, factorial, just like I don't know. It can never not be on. It's like a perma. It's permanently on my want to playlist, even if I don't know it. It's there. Yeah, I'm saying as this listener, if you ever wanted a guaranteed way to show up your girlfriends and come home single, it's wait to play factorial around her. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know you in this game, though, Leland. You're gonna be lost to the tides. <laughs> this world as you try to build your rocket ship. You don't even try to win. 
You just tried to make automation. No. There is no winning this is for true. you. <laughs> Maybe I can convince Emma to play with me. There is a co-op mode. I'll, uh, she and I can start a factory. That's that's great. You just wait till she like <laughs> knocks the wrong railway tie off your track and then you yell at her. You know, something like that's going to happen. She's hey, going to play with your switch. Railway signaling is and can be intense, okay? If you, one little wrong signal, the whole fucking rail network goes to shit. So yes, you may be correct. It has to be done in a precise way, according to my plan and my machinations for the factory. It's a process. It's a process. There are many steps. I will explain them as politely as I can, the steps to Emma. And you're right. If she can't follow them, she's out of there. You know what, buddy? It's just like, I would think that you were meant to be like CN Rails, like CEO or top manager, but it's not challenging enough. <laughs> yeah, the tracks are already laid. The tracks I want to lay new track. You want to lay new track. You could lay new track all over Canada, then we'd be done. <laughs> but what is this spiral train track above my yeah, house? Why, are there, why is there a loop-de-loop? Okay, buddy, I, I want to say that's a great choice, but uh, I'm just going to remember our friendship for what it is right now. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you in 2024. Okay, so for my third, I've got Alien Isolation. A uh, little bit of a spoiler, well, not really a spoiler thing, but um, I do remember when I brought this up in the Lost episode or the Lost segment, um, you were interested in what I'm going to think of the game, because I think you said it, it has like, it's almost like a tale of two games or two atmospheres. Like there's a point where the game gets is cool, but then gets a bit different. If you can explain without spoilers. Yeah. Well, I mean like the premise of it is you are on a spaceship trying to not get eaten by a xenomorph. So, you know, it's very intense. It's very like, it has horror vibes, right? And basically, if you get spotted, it's also a sneaky game, which aren't usually my favorite. I don't necessarily like, like when a game has a stealth segment, I really usually hate them. Yeah. So it's not my forte, but like eventually kind of like the action just begins to ramp up. And that feeling that it, it does, like the atmosphere at the very beginning of the game is great and, and, and intense and scary. And then the alien shows up. And then it, and then it's not suddenly, and then it's frustrating, mm, okay. in my opinion. And I did play this at a pretty high difficulty the first time I was doing it, so it was, it was very unforgiving. It might be a little more forgiving at lower difficulties, okay. which possibly I sh I should have played just to get a better experience. Maybe I could revisit myself. But yeah, I am very curious to to see what you think. I don't think it's very long. I powered through it pretty quickly, if I recall. Okay, well that's good. I like uh, bite-sized games there. So, yeah, that, that one's definitely on my list. Uh, can't wait to play it. So we're already on number two, baby. So what's your number two? Okay, number two. Number two has been the hotness for basically since it came out like two months ago, Elden Ring. I have yet to play this. I have yet to even really look at any information on it because I, I don't need to. I was also holding off until after my trip to pick this up. I, I mean, I would really like to find a PS5 and play it on that, but I think I'll probably just get it for my PS4 because I really want to play. I really want to fucking play it. And like Ghost Marty has been sucked right into it. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's put 
like 100 plus hours and finally just finished it, he says, um, before his own trip. And um, yeah, I, I just I love from from software games. I'm a huge fan of the of the blood, you know, Bloodborne's great, Sekiro and Dark Souls 3. Those are like my three top from from software games. Um, not in that order, but I'm excited to play Elden Ring and another open worlder. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a great choice for you. You and Ghost Marty tend to like uh, similar games. Um, it's difficult, he said. So, uh, yeah, it, it sounds like it's your thing. And you know what? I, I wouldn't regret buying it for PS4. I mean, <laughs> not to toot the horn of Breath of the Wild again, but I mean, I had that decision to make. Ghost Marty got... Uh, Breath of the Wild for Switch. I didn't have a Switch at the time. He was saying it was amazing. I knew it was going to be a great game. So I had a choice. Like, do I wait six months to play when I have a Switch? Or do I just buy it for Wii U where I could drive out opening night to an EB Games and buy it, which I did. And yeah, you know, the graphics are a little worse and the frame rate's a little worse. But I, in that particular case, I didn't think it really affected things. And then when I really liked it, I just bought it later for Switch. And it, I'm sure if you really like the game and you're can see yourself playing it a couple times you'll, you'll get it for uh for ps5 whenever you get that yeah but i, I mean honestly though like that's not even a factor because now whenever you buy a ps4 now you automatically get a ps5 digital to and you, that you can eventually upgrade to so like oh i am tech right so that actually it's even makes the decision even easier yeah i didn't know about that yeah exactly yeah yeah it's it's actually really great i mean it's awesome for sony to do that especially with I mean, the PS5 shortage, you can't fucking still can't get them. No. I don't know when you're going to be able to get them, like, without searching, you know, for hours and hours and combing through secondhand, maybe, yada, yada, yada. All that time that I'm not ready to invest just to own a PS5, I don't care that much. I could also get it for my PC because my PC could run it. But I, I know I'll be putting the hours into it, and I don't want to put those hours into sitting at my desk and my computer. There you go. Yeah, sounds so, good. It's got to be console. Sounds good. I uh, Yeah, I think PS4 is a no-brainer, given what you said. I mean, by the time you get a PS5, it'll be like, hey, Leland, did you know tomorrow PS6 comes out? Like, yeah, exactly. One day I have the top-of-the-line PlayStation. <laughs> They're just going to skip right to PS10. PSX. There we go. PSX. When, when we're in our, like, 50s or 60s by then. Okay, my second, I remember, was the one that I pulled way out of left field, as as I want to do with these lists, um, which is going retro game here. So many years ago, we're talking like 12 years ago, I bought, I, I liked the first Splinter Cell game for Nintendo GameCube, and I ended up buying them all. Uh, there were three others, uh, Pandora Tomorrow, Chaos Theory, and um, was it Double Agent, Dual Agent? I barely even looked at that one. I never played him. I never even uh, put him in, in the player. I don't know why. Back then, I was a better finisher when it came to video games. But um, Pandora Tomorrow, which is the second in the series, it's just sitting there. You can see it right now. And I'm like, hey, I really like stealth action when it was meant to be proper stealth action. Like you're saying, you don't like stealth segments, and I'm similar to that. But like a stealth action game, I know you can get behind, like Metal Gear Solid. You know, we're meant to be that. Yeah, 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 where it's it's more of a core mechanic of the whole game's premise rather than an instance of a shoehorned kind of mechanic in, right? You know what I mean? Oh, I do know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think 
I think I would really enjoy the Splinter Cells. I've never played a single Splinter Cell game. That is like a huge blind spot in my uh, video game history. I think mostly because I don't know if they were like uh, Xbox exclusives back in the day, like with like Xbox, like the first Xbox, which I didn't have. I had a 360 and that's the only Xbox I've ever owned. So I don't know if, if that was the case. I might be wrong there, but I just never, I never had them. So I never played them. Right. Fair enough. I mean, like, I don't want to say more about it. I'm excited to play it. I mean, that's why I put it second on my list. And that also my list from one to five means most likely that I will dive in and play it. Like, I'm pretty sure it's it's uh, imminent here. Um, probably after I knock off Breath of the Wild, which I'm playing now, Breath of the Wild 1. I don't know, maybe like 40% through my run through. Um, it will probably be the next thing I play, you know, for a change of pace. So. Now it's time for the number ones. Well, I could only ever have a single number one on this. It's God of War Ragnarok, which as of yet has not been pushed back like Breath of the Wild 2. Although I don't see that it has a, an official 2022 like date. They just say sometime in 2022. Uh, it was supposed to be out in 2021, but was affected by production was affected by COVID. Mm. So hopefully that's not going to continue. Um, but... That's also a game that I would love to have the P- a PS5 for. <laughs> you know what would be great is if they come out with a God of War a Ragnarok PS5 like they did with God of War. Because Marty is a slick God of War PS4. That's dope as fuck. And I would love a Ragnarok version of that. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, everybody that's been listening, a long-time listener, knows that God of War is my favorite video game franchise. So how could, I, how could this not be at the top of my list? You know, a direct um, sequel to 2018's God of War... You know, we've we've had guests on that uh, that are currently working on the game, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah, I just love this series. I just love uh, the direction that 2018's installment took the franchise, uh, a departure from the Greek mythology, which was really was severely needed. I mean, I really think they played the fuck out of the Greek mythology. Now, you know, moving into into the Norse mythology, I don't know. It just seems it seems like it was such a natural move. It was so it's so good, and they just did. Such an amazing job with with the gameplay. Again, this is another game that 2018's version felt and played Dark Soulsy. Um, I think it was pro- it's probably not as tight as the gameplay is in in like a From Software game, and not as punishing uh, aside from playing on the higher difficulties. So yeah, I just want to I want to fight Thor. <laughs> I want to fight Thor as Kratos. I really want to just put my axe through through Thor's head. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that's a great tagline for something. I don't know what, but for something. I just want to put an axe through <laughs> Thor's head. It just sounds so epic. Let's imagine you grabbing the axe off Ghost Marty's or the hammer off Ghost Marty's wall and just slunking you know, <laughs> something. The, the Baratheon hammer he has on his wall. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I could never argue with that pick for you. Um, I hope it's a good. Definitely bring it up in banter when you start playing it, when you have a first impression. I think we'd all be uh, interested in hearing. Um, so, yeah, sounds like a good, honestly, pretty good bunch of games you've got planned for 2022. So, good on you. Yeah, I'm excited. What's your number one? Yeah, my number one is here, not because it's what I want to most play on the list, but because it's what I thought I would play soonest. Um, and that may get pushed back a little bit now. Uh, which is Divinity Original Sin 2. Yet another Ghost Marty recommendation. 
this one solely because Ghost Marty's played it, he's beaten it, and he says it's basically Wasteland 3, but in the fantasy era. So it's the same sort of thing, technical combat, ex uh, but it's also all satire, like a game that totally doesn't take itself seriously. Lots of humor. So, I mean, at the time when we were recording last month, I had just finished Wasteland 3, and I was super, super gung-ho. I'm not saying I'm super, super gung-ho, or no, I'm not saying I'm not super gung-ho right now for Divinity, um, Original Sin 2, but uh, it may be supplanted by Pandora Tomorrow or something else. Like, it's not the burning priority that it was a month ago. Is that because of the type of game? Because it is so similar to like a Wasteland, which I know you you were playing through Wasteland 2 as well, right? Yeah. You know what? I actually think it's um, I actually think Wasteland 2 did a disservice to me wanting to play Divinity. Wasteland 2, understandably, would be a step back from Wasteland 3, you would think. I mean, it is, but it's a step back in a in a way that's really hard for me to handle. So Wasteland 2 only came out a couple of years before Wasteland 3. It uses the same engine. So it looks the same. It's like you're looking at the same game, but it doesn't have the heart. It doesn't have the humor or the satire like Wasteland 3 does. It's just not that engaging. And so I hit a part in the game where I need to collect some toxic waste in like cans. I need like three cans full of this stuff to get through a gate. And I have to go along this kind of labyrinthian rock canyon where it's easy to get lost. And there's a lot of hard battles where I'm dying. And it's just, it's not engaging enough for me to really want to push forward. So I haven't picked it up in like a month. And even though I didn't connect Wasteland 2 with Divinity, because they're the same sort of games, because I'm just meh about Wasteland 2, yeah, it just kind of pushed it to the back burner naturally a little bit, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I can I can see that. It's tough to play. I mean, one of one they're 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 it's pretty big time investment. Um, I'm interested in in Original Sin uh, as well. If you like it, I want to hear your thoughts on that too because that's just another one like that that franchise is another one those like i've always just heard tangentially about right but never i never actually knew what or how the games played at all so yeah the, it, it interests me too i mean obviously the fantasy fantasy aspect of if you're into fantasy more than a post-apocalyptic world then you're probably gonna be drawn more to one uh, uh versus the other right and i am um, i think i would probably lean more towards the post-apocalyptic uh personally i'm surprisingly not really that much of a fan of fantasy <laughs> me neither to be honest and it's I, I just feel like there's a lot more room for creativity and satire when it comes to post-apocalyptic because you can draw direct connections to this world like 2022 or whatever when the game was made 2020 and then like extrapolate those politics and what's happening in pop culture forward Whereas I think that's a little bit more difficult to go back and do that in a way that's good satire. Right. Oh, you know, you've you've got a dictator who leaves people outside in the cold to freeze or something. But it's like, OK, well, people did this all the time in like the Dark Ages. It's just 
maybe that's a bad example, but I, I just think it's harder to come come up with engaging satire. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I understand what you're saying because, like, in a fantasy setting, you're, you're like the fantasy tropes are what you can satirize, right? Like that's right. the satirical parts of it, and those tropes can only get you so far, especially compared to drawing inspiration from like real world events and real world real world figures, and like you say, like the current pop culture meta in quotations, you know, of the t- the era in which the game is created. Yeah, that totally that totally makes a lot of sense. So that's that's it, listener. I mean, those are. Uh, I mean, I subbed in one of my one of my honorable mentions. The other two honorable mentions are now whatever. I don't know if I'll get to them. I'll bring them up another time. But um, those are the five games each of us are going to prioritize this year. Let's hope this segment came through this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it didn't, the next segment is a goner then for well, sure. <laughs> you, you know what? And that's about as bright a segue as we get here so listener it's time for movie musings this one is called hollywood unnecessary (laughs) (laughs) and i love it well and you know i wanted to have a little bit of a different segment where you know it wasn't a list it wasn't you know reviewing something per se you know i I just want to have a discussion you know as a movie guy you're a movie guy too we watch shows. We know who various actors are, of course. It's, you know, it's our podcast. But, I mean, the Will Smith slap situation, I guess this is hot off the press since last month. Will Smith has resigned from the Academy. He was also handed a 10-year ban where he can come to, like, literally nothing. Nobody actually knows if he can still be awarded. I was going to say, yeah, he can't attend the Oscars for 10 years, like... Come on. Who fucking cares? Well, and that's what feeds into this. That's what feeds into this. It's so stupid. You know, I wanted to discuss with you the the state of Hollywood. Because for me, the Will Smith slap could be the final nail in the coffin for people giving a fuck about celebrities in the first place. Like, especially what they do outside of the actual show or movie they're in. I guess my premise, Leland, is, and you can agree with me or disagree with me, is that, like, Hollywood is so losing touch with the everyday person in their struggles that it's almost like people are hostile towards it. It's like they can't turn off their TV quick enough when an award show comes. They're just sick of them. Sick of the pretentiousness. I know I am. I'm fired up, baby. What about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I I haven't given a fuck about watching... Uh, the Oscars since uh, Birdman was Birdman was snubbed, like quite oh, man. right. And I only right. ever and I would only ever watch them with you. You would only ever watch with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so honestly, I've really never, never cared about uh, any type of award, whether whether it's an Oscar or a Grammy or an Emmy or a Tony or whatever. I don't right. I don't give a fuck about any of that stuff. I don't care if if you are uh, an award winning actor. I just care about like like. I mean, obviously, I care about good performances, and everyone should care about seeing good performances in the films that they're shelling out money to go and see, right? And contributing to this industry, because if the industry only turned out shit, it wouldn't be an industry. So I, when I when I see a, a, a you know a, a roster of like an actor list, the fact that some of those actors may or may not have won an award or some type of award, like that doesn't draw me to to that movie. I don't care. Because every year we get a, a slate of uh, Oscar bait movies, right? You always get mm-hmm. those, those movies that 
are literally being produced so they can be nominated and or win. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I don't get it. And, and more and more, those movies are winning, especially since Birdman. Um, you know what? I, it's, I, I, my mind is, that, is kind of blown here because I think Birdman, that Oscars watching with you, was the last complete Oscars I watched. I think I maybe turned on the next year for like 10 minutes and I was like, nah, done. But you're right. I mean, that was kind of a seminal, seminal moment because, you know, we're there. We thought Keaton would win. We love Keaton. He's literally bringing out his speech and someone else wins <laughs> and he has to put this speech back. Yeah. It was who, heartbreak. who was it even that that won that year? Who was it? I don't even know. I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I, I'm thinking it was like Will Smith for like Lululemon Land or La La Land or something. But it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what. Yeah, I don't even know. I can't remember what, what won. I don't know. I don't know if you wanted to talk specifics about the Will, Will Smith. Because like you said, it was the launching off point for the entire conversation. But I just I just find the response from the Academy kind of just ridiculous. Just the, whole, the, whole, the way the whole thing was handled. It's like nobody knew what to do. Yeah. And I, I was looking, I was trying to find, you know, again, Will Smith banned for 10 years from attending the Oscars. Like you say, we don't, nobody really knows what that means. Like, does that, what kind of implications does that have for uh, Will Smith's career? Like, does that just mean he will not be uh, even looked at for these Oscar bait roles? Um, is it going to lead to a, a, a decrease in the work that he's offered in general? I mean, I don't know what, the casting process is like for uh, an actor like Will Smith at the point in his career, whether or not he actually needs to audition or, you know, or people are bringing him scripts, I'm sure. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Cause that's always different. And that varies from actor to actor and also varies from studio to studio, director to director, producer, to producer, all that, you know, too many caveats to even bother to try to cover or list. But I was looking and I was trying to find a list of other people that have been banned from the Oscars. And it was it it was kind of tough to find every every list I could find had five people: Harvey Weinstein, Roman Polanski, Bill Cosby, Adam Kimmel, and Carmine Curdidi. The very last of which was banned because he was sh sharing screeners online. That was it. The other four, the other yeah, the other four are like just sex offenders, just terrible terrible people, right? And then now you have Will Smith in the category in this category. <laughs> it's just like okay. I mean, obviously, obviously, Will Smith, like, resorting to the violence in the way he did was just ridiculous and not necessary at all. Like you say, unnecessary. And, and, and I, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know where exactly you fall on that opinion of that. I don't know if that's necessarily what we need to get into or talk about. Obviously, he was defending his wife, and, and that's admirable when you're defending those that you love. The way in which he did it with, the, you know, questionable for sure. Yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily have an agenda with this one. I wanted to go organically where it's going. So so this is fine. But I do think it 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 connects to the central topic here of just the surreal out of touch nature of Hollywood. So here's the thing about the Oscars in case nobody knows. They rehearse it. They do a full rehearsal and that includes the jokes. So Chris Rock made an off the cuff joke. It wasn't planned. Okay, that's fine. You know, it's a joke. Do I believe they should have cut to commercial, removed rock, something like that for his joke, however untasteful it may be seen? 
No, I mean, I, I don't think so. But what also they would have known, the producers, the people in the booth with the finger on a button to cut to commercial in the case of a disaster, knows that Will Smith is not supposed to go up and hit someone. And the producer nearby... Wait, he's not even supposed to be approaching the stage. And, right? And so, like, if you're a producer nearby, I tried to imagine myself, you know, if I was in the orchestra pit to the side, I would go, okay, boom, you hear the smack. Everyone could hear the smack. It's like, oh, he really hit them. And best case scenario that it was a unplanned gag between Rock and, and Smith, which it wasn't, but best case scenario, even if it was unplanned, I still think you have to cut to commercial because the Academy had released these guidelines that were very strict in regards to violence and code of conduct. Very, very strict. These these rules were only from the past few years. So a producer or the conductor or a security guard or someone should have right away gone. That was real cut. Like, how difficult is it to be cut to commercial? You know, they're primed to do it in case of an exact situation like this. Right. So when the nuclear bomb of situations comes up where they should cut to commercial, nobody does anything. They let Smith sit there through a commercial break that they go to near after. And then the embarrassment of them saying they asked him to leave and he said no. So what? You can assault someone and then say, you've got to go. No. Okay. Right. I, I, I had... I had also heard that apparently Rock was saying, no, don't kick him out. It's fine. I don't know what, I don't know how valid, I don't know, right? You just hear so many, you hear so many things. But yeah, you're, I mean, like, <laughs> where the, none of the fail safes that they're supposed to have in a live event, regardless of whether or not it's rehearsed, it's still live, right? Like, none of them kicked in. Kind of on, I had heard um, or seen a thing about Amy Schumer and, uh, she was telling the joke that she wasn't allowed to tell the Oscars. And I found it in an article here that she allegedly wasn't allowed to say on TV, including this one. Don't look up is the name of a movie more like don't look down the barrel of Alec Baldwin's shotgun. <laughs> so that's like an example of what wasn't right. That's terrible. That's an example it's of what wasn't fucking funny. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, apparently. So that's an example of what they would let someone say all the Oscars. And yeah, Chris Rock, like you say, clearly wasn't part of his his little his act because one, it wasn't a funny joke, right? It was That's it was poor, it was a poorly thought out and executed joke. Like it wasn't even it wasn't even a funny fucking bad joke. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I don't, I I do I I wonder how easily the whole thing could have been diffused if immediately after Chris Rock had been like. You know, you you look great, bald. Like you look, you look great because like she looks good, bald. It's not like she looks terrible, bald. You know what I mean? I I don't know. That's again, we're tangenting hard because that's not exactly what we're here to no. talk about. Because we're almost in like a forensic second by second play at this point. That's also not the type of comedian that Chris Rock is. Obviously, right? Like he's gonna he's gonna throw the jab and he's gonna move on to his next jab and he's not gonna look back at what he just. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, I'll go big picture again. I mean, the whole fact that, you know, a bunch of producers were there, people, and nobody knew if this was part of Hollywood or not shows how crazy Hollywood is. And the thing is, I mean, they spend tons of money throwing these other award shows for themselves. People don't, you know, watch as much like the BAFTAs and, um, you know, Golden Globes and things like that. 
you know, the other award shows nobody really watches. They, I mean, the Oscars was way down too in viewership. You know, it just makes me think like, like, why? Even the award part of the show keeps getting cut less and less. They're cutting down the speech times. Okay, that's great. The speeches went too long. But if anyone is actually watching the show, it's to watch the awards getting handed out. It's not to watch everybody get up and either pat themselves on the back for being like golden age of Hollywood people or their social causes, which, you know, that's fine. You can have your social causes, but to expect people to watch a three and a half hour show of which like an hour is awards and speeches and two and a half hours patting yourself on the back commercials and social causes. People just aren't interested in that. That's where why I'm dumbfounded where, you know, the Oscar producers are scrambling to figure out how to get viewership up. Well, make the show an award show and just an award show. Cut it to an hour and a half. Here you go. You know, and this this red carpet stuff, too. You know, there's so much red carpet shit that went on. Um, Just, you know, you know, maybe like an interviewer put down a dress or was perceived to put down a dress. And so like an actress like really puts her down and is rude. Like I saw some of that from this Oscars. And it's really? just, I did. I did. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it just like they were focusing so much on like Timothy Chalamet. Oh, he didn't wear a shirt. He didn't wear a shirt. At this point, I'm like, that's the least weird thing in Hollywood. It's <laughs> Timothy Chalamet without a shirt. <laughs> it's it's hot on Arrakis. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Speaking speaking of uh, of the Timbo. What, okay, so obviously, like, we're kind of focusing in on the awards that are actually giving out to the actors, but obviously a huge part of any award show, especially the Oscars, I mean, Doom cleaned up in the technical awards. So those are I, those are still people that are and, and that are worth recognizing, but also the least flashy awards that those are if if nobody cares about the Oscars, there's an even smaller amount, uh, you know, or even a, a larger portion about uh, people that don't care about the awards, you know, like <laughs> if 10% of people care about the awards, 9% of those people don't care about the technical awards. I agree. And you know, here's the problem with the technical awards and the awards in general, as far as marketing goes, I almost need to like have a time with marketing for when I get into these speeches. If you remember when <laughs> we were growing up, okay, what happens? Movie comes out in theaters, like six, eight months later comes out on video, video cassette. Well, I think a lot in the olden days, you know, a movie would come out, it would get celebrated for the Oscars. And by the time the film comes out on home video, you know, it's plastered in a box that says seven Oscars. Now, I remember a lot of videos in the 90s and early 2000s that were like Dune, that won the technical Oscars and, and got second life on home video because hey, you're an average fan. This looks like a cool show and it's won seven Oscars. But you can't do that anymore because it hits streaming in two weeks. And so right. there's no marketing potential for a film like Dune to take advantage of the technical Oscars. Hmm, okay. I mean, yeah, you know, I think that makes, that. yeah, that makes that makes sense to me. Also, like the that kind of resurgence on home video is also what created a lot of cult followings for specific films, Very which then branch more into cult followings for specific directors, right. Or actors. And you know what I mean? Like the actor and movies from like our childhood era 
and, and the actors and those the people making the films then like that was their a lot of that was a bread and butter yeah you know and 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 also i mean obviously home video sales was uh contributed a lot to whether or not a movie was considered to be financially viable too right you may have shit the bed at the box office but i mean how many countless films that you and i both love killed it in home video sales and like turned around and made a made a loss into a win you know what i mean oh tons i look at the dying gasp maybe of home video the short grindhouse thing you know with the the robert rodriguez movies and hobo with a shotgun and black dynamite and those that came out all in the space of a few years you know i think they got a little bit of a cult following from home video as well but i don't think they would stand much of a chance nowadays certainly during the pandemic nobody would you know, grab their Vax cards and their mask and go to see Hobo with the shotgun, not really knowing what it was. It's a lot easier to pick these things up on home video. That's how I got into Army of Darkness and, and Bruce Campbell and everything. It was a right, right, late right. night trip with two friends to the video store and we're like, let's get the movie that looks stupid, best combination of stupid and entertaining. <laughs> Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness. He's got a chainsaw in one arm, a shotgun in the other. We're like, done. But you can't browse yeah. like that anymore. You know, I think that streaming browsing is, now I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, but it, it's different and it's overwhelming. You know, you, what happens when you boot up Netflix? Well, right away it starts playing a very loud preview to something that Netflix is telling you to watch. And you click on another window and it's another loud preview. And it's like, whoa, it's one of, Where's the movie case? <laughs> maybe I'm an old man, but uh... <laughs> oh, maybe that's maybe that's a little bit. You know, that's funny. Speaking of uh, Bruce Campbell and Army of Darkness, I was listening to um, a podcast interview with Bruce Campbell. It was really great. It was a number of years old, though, as he had just written, I think, his second book, and that just was coming out. He seems like a guy that could be so off the fucking rails. But again, this was strictly from this particular interview. It was uh, on the Inside of You podcast with Michael Rosenbaum, uh, which I've been listening to a lot of. Not, <laughs> and I've I've come to realize that I like Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in Smallville, which I loved Smallville when I was growing up. I like him less and less as an interviewee, but the guests he have on are great, and I guess they're enjoyable. So I maybe he is a pretty good interviewer. Anyways, Bruce Campbell was saying that like Army of Darkness uh, one was like a failure at the box office. Um, a lot of that was studio interference, mainly because it was called Army of Darkness and not like Evil Dead 3 or, you know what I mean? Like, so a lot of shit went down with that. And, but it's like you say, it's it's resurgence and and popularity came from home video sales. And uh, he was also saying something that I guess doesn't really tie into, well, kind of does with that Alec Baldwin joke now. But he was saying that he will, ne he will never do a stunt or, or, or be on set with any type of um, prop gun that actually fires something. Even if it's a blank or, or, or squibs, he, he will not do anything. He will not even fuck around with that shit. It's all digital. So like every, like Ash vs. Evil Dead, every single thing, every time he fires that shotgun, nothing is coming out of it. No noise is coming on set as it's being filmed. It's all put in digital after the fact and it looks great. Right. So yeah. I don't know. He just seems like he has a good head on his shoulder. I think of more, I don't know if more actors don't, do you think it's a, a, like they don't get the opportunity to be in that kind of headspace? Do you think it's, 
it's not it's it, because it's it's the culture right and they're they're coming up in this culture and they're being affected by this hollywood culture so how can they be any different how are we how can we expect anything different of these of these actors and these people that are in the limelight and i mean that can be incredibly destructive to any number of types of people but obviously certain certain types of people i mean are, are will succumb to the pressures of that uh, more frequently and more more severely than other types of people. So, is it just Hollywood just chewing these people up and spitting them out? I do think there's a you know a natural pressure to conform where it's like, oh well, everybody else has a cause. Everybody else is self congratulating themselves or doing Oscar bait or things like that. You know the the actors that I really respect. I'm trying to think of of modern examples. I mean. Meryl Streep to a degree. I mean, she basically just shows up once every year or two. Now it's closer to two. Does a movie, wins an Oscar, at least gets nominated. But a better, right. exa- a better example might be Josh Brolin. It's like Josh Brolin just puts his head down and works. I mean, he's naturally a quiet guy. But, you know, he does he does all sorts of cool roles. It's not like he's not a great actor. Um, does a lot of cool roles. And, you know, he just he treats it like a job. And then when he's not working, I guess he goes to these award shows because he kind of has to. But he just sort of sits there, politely claps and waits to see if he wins anything. And, you know, honestly, I kind of respect that. Maybe that's boring, but at least it's at least, you know, Brolin's not going to get up and slap anybody. If he had a problem, he's going to talk to you at the commercial break. Like, that's normal. That's how normal people (laughs) deal with normal everyday things for the most part. Does does Brolin does Brolin? have to go to the award though does he have to go to the show how much of a faux pas is it if you're nominated to just not go to the award show it i can actually to answer that it is a pretty big faux pas it's seen as pretty disrespectful by the academy which is so prestigious unless you have a reason so like for example marlon brando i think won an oscar and didn't show up because he he had a social cause but he, and that was actually way more controversial at the time you know, his social cause. And I think he said, you know, that's why he wasn't showing up to get his Oscar for The Godfather. But that was even less socially acceptable then. I think that would be socially acceptable now. I, you know, I think if I don't want to pick a controversial cause and say it, that's why I'm dancing around my words. But if an actor had a cause and didn't show up for it, you know, I think that would be okay. Okay. You know what? Actually, here's a good example. Sean Penn. Now, I don't think he did it, but Sean Penn said if Zelensky was not showing at the Oscars. He was going to like destroy all his Oscars, which I don't think he ended up doing. <laughs> but if, if Sean Penn said, you know, if I don't get a guarantee that Zelensky is beamed in, I'm not going to show up. I think the Academy would accept that. I don't think anyone else would care nowadays, like the general public or like, right. you know, go away, Sean Penn, do your thing. Um, but because it was for a cause, it was for a reason. I think it's okay. I do think there's a lot of pressure that if you can be there, you should be there. So if you are like, again, Will Smith has resigned from the Academy, what does that mean? Does that mean you can no longer win an Oscar? If you're not part of the Academy, you can't win? That, that is unknown. I've tried to look into that. I think that would be crazy <laughs> if he wins again during this 10-year period. And like, then what? Do they beam him in? And if they beam him in, does it mean like, essentially, it was a slap on the wrist? 
that he got, right? Like if he still oh, gets yeah, the award, yeah, yeah. he gets beamed in. I do know he can never again vote for someone to become part of the Academy. He can never again vote for any film to win anything. So he may be able to win in the future himself, but he will never, and this is like lifetime ban due to his resignation. Yeah. He will never have the opportunity to vote for anything Academy or Oscar related ever in the future. Right. Because the, because the awards are, it's like you're being awarded them from your peers is what the point of it is. Right. right? It is a vote. It is a vote. And so like the Academy does vote on all these different um, things. And so, I mean, they may not vote on like the lifetime achievement award or something like that, but for the main Oscars, they vote. And so Will Smith will not have any influence when it comes to that. I think that's fair. I, I don't think a 10 year ban is fair. I think it should have been lifetime, like across the board, because again, what, what would you do to escalate this further? Knock someone unconscious, throw them in the orchestra right. kit and break their yeah, neck. Slap them twice. Like, yeah, like right, we're exactly. way, way up there as far as bad conduct goes. And he, as Will Smith said in his apology, he robbed everybody else of their spotlight, which is maybe why Hollywood's so angry. I don't get my, mm. my spotlight. I would abandon him for life because could you like, okay, so say he comes back in 10 years time. He's like 63. Does he get a standing ovation on his return? Like, what a hero. <laughs> You're back. Right, right. He just quietly is sitting in the back in 10 years. There's right? no way that is not one of the most awkward segments on TV is his return in 10 right. years if he comes back. You know, and I wonder, like, Will Smith, I think maybe the biggest punishment for this is the stigma that follows him in that, you know, whatever his next movie is, they'll be like, oh, it's Will Smith's movie. First movie since The Slap. Yeah, ex- exactly, right? Um, I mean, just think of, like, the tensions just filming that movie, just on set. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know how he gets... I don't know how he properly recovers from this. Like, this is such a... What a fuck-up. <laughs> like, what a shit show. It, it, it is a fuck-up. It is a shit show, and I think that takes us full circle that Hollywood is unnecessary. Um, Hollywood is, like a group of glamorous people. I think people just nowadays, certainly I do. I just care like, okay, what did they do in their movie? Okay. I like this actor. Did he act well in this movie? Okay. No, then I don't like it. I don't care what goes on in their personal life. I never looked that stuff up. The only way I know about it. And I'm a huge movie guy is if it like appears on my Google feed or something. And even then it's annoying half the time. Like the whole, you know, Timothy Chalamet's shirt thing from the Oscars. Like, I don't care who does. Like, you know, and... <laughs> I guess somebody does. Somebody's... It's getting clicks. Somebody seems to, but it's just... Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I just find it pretentious. And I just find actors in general nowadays pretentious. And, and I find Oscar bait pretentious. I hate that. I hate like how specific movies are made for like limited releases. You don't care or expect them to make money because you just want people to win an Oscar out of it. You're, it's you're essentially gaming the Oscar system. So how could anybody respect that? Yeah. And, and like, what did they actually get out of it? I mean, yeah, they get a little statue, but like, I don't understand what the like, if that's the end goal, that seems utterly pointless and like way too much effort. 
So do you, so how, how many, what type of people can get into the Academy? Is it just actors? Is it like actors and directors? Or what about the people that are, are getting the technical awards and those people that are working on those films? Can, are, do they get to vote? Are they part of the Academy? Can they get in? Because then how is that an award for from your peers? You know, if it's just like a select group voting on everything, that kind of seems like it defeats the purpose. The short answer is I don't know for sure. I, I am 99% sure directors at least are part of the Academy that can vote. Um, I think producers are, you know, whether that goes to cinematographers or, um, you know, executive producers, just like the money bags people. I don't know. Probably does. I'm guessing they would want diversity of, of careers in there. But <laughs> it's like, I just don't care to look into it. <laughs> right? It's like, I <laughs> right. don't care like about the Academy. I don't care about the awards. I couldn't tell you other than maybe this is a bad thing, but like I can tell you other than Smith in that, uh, you know, Dune won a bunch of technical awards. I couldn't tell you anything. Can tell you one best supporting. Couldn't tell you what the the name of the best movie was. I know it's something to do with uh, a deaf person or a group of deaf people or something like that. But it's just like you know because it was a movie that I literally didn't hear about Coda or something like that. Co- Coda? Coda, yeah, Coda, yeah, yeah. I, I literally that. didn't hear about it until Oscar night. Right. Now I wasn't right. looking up what are the Oscar nominees this year, but that's because for years I haven't cared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just, uh, that's why I titled the segment Unnecessary was, well, first I thought you'd totally agree with me, which you did, but um, <laughs> it's just, it's completely unnecessary. <laughs> I don't want to say it makes me like movies less, but it probably makes me care less. It's like, you know, I just want to watch the movie, get it over with, have two hours of fun and just not think about anything until the next one. Yeah, I guess so. It's like it, it limits the amount of, investment that you're willing to afford it you know yeah because i i mean i i'm i'm in the same boat as you i don't i don't care really to watch interviews with actors although i mean honestly listening to the the inside of you podcast like it's all like actors and directors um which i mean i'm enjoying it so maybe i would enjoy seeking more of that content but it's just i love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when I was a kid, right? And I've always liked Will Smith. And now all of that is tainted. Completely tainted. Yeah. And it's it's moments like this that will mean I do not I will not seek out to to try to get to know. It's it's like a I mean it, it really it's it's parasocial relationships, right, with these actors and stuff, right? I mean, it's not fucking healthy. Like if you see you see somebody in a role and you really connect with that role, it's inevitable that you are going to feel a connection with that actor or actress. I just don't see how you can't. And then they go and they do something that oh they're not that per- person they were portraying. They're some other fucking schmuck, right? Like yeah, I hate Jared Leto. <laughs> I have said it numerous <laughs> times on this show. I fucking hate that man. Did the sun come up this morning? <laughs> it sure did and it's gonna set because jared leto i hate him i don't and i i cannot explain why or where it was born from or 
I mean, and I know it's irrational as is much of my hatred and my complaints are usually irrational and stem from some God forsaken deep down darkness inside of my own heart. <laughs> but <laughs> anytime he is in a film, I'm going to be like, Oh great. It's Jared Leto. Like <laughs> Morbius. Morbius <laughs> is a cool character from He's, a, he's a, from Spider-Man's Rogue Gallery. Apparently that movie fucking blows <laughs> from what I've heard. I would watch it because it's technically a Marvel film, I guess. And I do like the character of Morbius, but I don't like Jared Leto. So even if it's a great movie, I probably won't really enjoy it as much. Well, okay. I will back you up there because, see, the thing is, this Hollywood pretentiousness goes beyond just Will Smith. I think Will Smith is the culmination. It's, you know, Kevin Spacey's, you know, pervertedness. It's Harvey Weinstein. It's Jared Leto, you know, publicly saying that he's in Morbius, you know, he's going to take hour long bathroom breaks because he has to put the whole crew waiting for him because he's going to method act being in a wheelchair for a bathroom break. And like, literally. Dozens and dozens of people have to wait for him. Now, I have nothing against, you know, uh, method acting, but there are limits. It's like if it's going to the bathroom, you shouldn't have to lift Jared Leto to the can while he shits, wipe his butt and then put him back in the wheelchair, which is apparently what happened. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And it's just so pretentious because he was Jared Leto, like what, 40 years old, in shape, dude. He doesn't have to do this. It's unnecessary. <laughs> and and hearing these stories, hearing these stories makes me like Morbius worse for me when I haven't even seen it yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so like Kevin Spacey's in like a bunch of movies I like. So like when I watch Seven, when I watch American Beauty, when I watch uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross, all these movies with him. Now I think of him. I hate that it's in the back of my head. Will Smith, yep. like you said, the exact same way. My goodness, Weinstein produced like half the movies you and I watched since we were friends. Oh, yeah. And yep. you see Absolutely. the Weinstein company at the beginning of all these DVDs yeah. I watch. It's what these actors do outside of their work that that ticks me off. Yeah. And and, and I know, and I, I know you would agree with me, but I am for sure an advocate of keeping an artist's work separate from their scandals because yes i i real i love th- those kevin spacey movies those are great movies and i enjoy those movies and those are some of my favorite movies um but yeah you're right it's like it's always in the back of your mind and it's impossible to actually keep separate you cannot compartmentalize that there you get to a point where you just can no longer do it and now that work that a lot of other people way more people than just one sole actor put work into, you know, uh, I hear so many people from the industry say that filmmaking is the most collaborative process you could ever do because there's so many people that have their hand in it. And it takes so many, it takes a fucking village to make a film. Right. And it just, ah, it just taints it for so many people. It just, it, 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 it ruins it. It ruins it. And then you have fucking, you have people like fucking Leto running around, Pretending he's fucking disabled just so he can play a fucking vampire from a comic book. In addition to him and his fucking band making a cult where they go out and have a birdie man in the forest in the fucking <laughs> desert. Like, 
fuck? Why? What? And they and they and they're proud, and he's fucking proud of calling it a cult. And it's like this inside joke he has with his fucking fans. And I don't know why people like Jared Leto. I don't know why people would say I'm in Leto's cult. Hashtag Mars Island. Fuck you, Jared Leto. You piece of shit. Fuck you. Fuck you, Jared Leto. <laughs> I sort of liked you in Blade Runner. <laughs> I kind of liked you in, in Dallas Virus Club, but that's it, Leto. You get nothing else from me. Um, but I mean, like, okay, so even the, the only whole... sorry, I one last Leto thing. The only good thing Leto has ever done is when he got the shit kicked out of him in Fight Club. That is it. <laughs> Give him the Oscar for that. Give him Will Smith's <laughs> Oscar retroactive. <laughs> <laughs> That was the punch heard around the 2000s. You know what? I think maybe the ridiculousness of Hollywood could be summed up in Conan O'Brien's tweet the next day. Where he's like, does anyone have a late show I can borrow for a night? That's all he tweeted. (laughs) 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 It's just like, that would be the best thing ever. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I uh, I, heard, I saw something from uh, Andy Richter saying, people have been making fun of my partner's hair for you, for decades. <laughs> that's such an Andy Richter thing to say. Right? <laughs> I don't I mean, I, I, Don't get me on a rant about Andy Richter. Oh, no. I want to hear that. Well, no, I just thought, I thought he's fascinating because Andy Richter never made me laugh alone, but he made Conan better. In like pretty much every episode, mm-hmm. he was like the seasoning to Conan O'Brien. Conan was fine when he was alone, but Richter, what he said, just him being there somehow made Conan much funnier consistently. I agree. I agree. I mean, they are a dynamic duo and they never should have been separated. They shouldn't have been. No, that was dumb. That was dumb. And uh, I mean, Richter kind of just, you know, he has a really special role. Like he would just kind of sit there and snipe. With odd comments. That's all he was ever paid to do. And you know what? That was fine. Yeah. And you know, that type of role can be, can be very annoying. Like it's very easy to look like a fool or, or, or be the worst part of the show in that role. Like that role, I think you actually walk a pretty fine line with that role to keep it entertaining and give it just enough. Right. Yeah. Know when to pull back when you need to. When no one to surge forward to help out, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you're right. He was never annoying. He was never really pretentious. Like I said, I didn't really laugh at him, but he made Conan would always just react to his jokes better. And um, I miss Conan. Conan was so good. I gotta yeah, watch. Me too, I gotta watch. You know what? I'm gonna YouTube after this a compilation of in the year 2000. That was one of my favorite segments. <laughs> And then how they just kept doing in the year 2000, like 10 years later, as if yeah. it was still the year 2000 <laughs> was in the future. <laughs> That's a very interesting relationship, though, that these talk shows have, right? Because, like, when, you, when you're a guest appearance on a lightning talk show, it's a joke, too. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing, right? They're on there for five minutes, maybe. They talk about a couple anecdotes and then promote whatever they're there to promote. Right. You're not, you're not getting to know that person. Are you really like, what's, what service is this affording somebody? 
And and how do you really get to know somebody in the first place? Well, you know, I don't think that was ever the appeal for me. Like, I used to watch a ton of late night back in the day. Like, I was a Conan regular, and I would always watch him with my friends, too, at, you know, middle school, high school, sleepovers, things like that. You know, I didn't really care about getting to know the actor. You know, whatever, kind of cool to see an actor you liked. But um, I guess the the genius of a properly done late night was it didn't seem staged, but it actually was. Realistically, what you were watching was, for the most part, like a stand-up comedy show. They know what anecdotes are going to become or be asked about or what inside jokes. But it came off as natural. And so I just saw it as like people having a, this magically funny conversation with a celebrity that was fun. But no, I never really wanted to uh, get to know the the celebrity. But, you know, I watched like Conan. My favorite part was always his monologue and his skits triumph in the year 2000. That's the real yeah. reason I watched it anyways. True, true. But I mean, did it, did it make the guests more relatable, though? I think it did. Um, now, it may have been false or like as a kid, I may have taken the bait, but it did. It, it did make make them more relatable. I mean, some late night stuff, some old clips sometimes get popped up on my YouTube algorithms and I'll watch it. It's still fun. Like, it does seem like uh, a lot of these actors are more relatable. The ones I hate, though, are like Harrison Ford, where you can tell he's forced to do it. He didn't he wouldn't give a shit if it was scripted or not. He just doesn't want to be there. So he's just like, oh, no. It's more funny when Mark Hamill comes on a late night, makes fun of Harrison Ford in a Harrison Ford voice. If that ever comes up, you got to watch that because that's <laughs> hilarious. He can, I mean, he's Hamill. He can deadpan a Harrison Ford. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, has, he has this great anecdote. I'll try to find it if I can. But Mark Hamill is on like Conan impersonating Harrison Ford and he's talking about Star Wars. And he's like, you know, we're on set and I'm all serious. I'm like, Hey, you know, what are we going to do with these controls in the millennium Falcon? Which one is the throttle? And Harrison Ford just looks at him. He's like, kid, you think anyone's going to watch the fucking movie? Apparently <laughs> 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 that's all Ford said. He's, he's thought it was, you know, space trash that nobody would ever see. <laughs> You know, I said that with J.J. Abrams, too. There's a, a making of, like, The Force Awakens. And J.J.'s like, Harrison, you know, which one of these turns? He's like, well, I don't know. It's bullshit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you think I've actually been driving this thing for 40 years, <laughs> you fucking idiot? <laughs> well, here's the turn signal. Don't forget the hazards. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> uh. <laughs> you know, I saw. I was at the liquor store the other day. <laughs> I know this is an inside joke, but some listener will know. But like at the top of this cabinet, like you could tell it was there for years. It was caked in dust. was one rev, right? At like <laughs> the top under some fan. No. And I don't know like if it was forgotten there or if someone was like, this, this is toxic goop and put it there to Ugh. save it from the customers. But uh, rev in movies and tea hud back in the day. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of uh, deadly combinations like that. <laughs> <laughs> very close to lethal combinations. I just, that. yeah, yeah, very close a, a number of times. I just, uh, I always just look back and like almost feel ashamed that numerous times we were those 
loud drunk idiots in the I theater know. that now you would just you just fucking hate. Like I'm like ashamed so that we did that. <laughs> so truthful. I remember times where, where my brother would you know come in with like a huge coat and like beer would just cans would just fall yeah. onto the floor of the cinema. <laughs> and they fall and then like six six cans opening all at once. You know, it's like <laughs> click 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 click. It's like what? And us yelling at the screen. Oh yeah. I mean, just because we were like belligerent young men, we were terrible. Yeah. We were terrible people. And like, then when someone else was loud, we would complain about them and want to fight them. <laughs> yeah, right. Complete hypocrites. Oh man. Oh, to be young again. Oh. To be young. Now we're we're ancient. But uh, yeah, on the topic of Hollywood, I mean, I I just really thought it was unnecessary. Hollywood is. I wanted to run that by you. Pretty sure you would agree with me, and you did. From my point of view, that's all I've got. I mean, I guess it would summarize by saying I'm not. I don't plan on watching any award shows in the future. I'm sick of the gossip. You know, I'm just going to watch the movies and try to promote directors I like, like Denis Villeneuve, who seems to can't catch a break at the box office. Great movies, they don't sell tickets. So yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I did uh, recently watch Dune, and uh, I I liked it. I liked it. It's a good movie. Incomplete, but really good movie yeah i think it would i think it's going to be more impactful being able to watch both of them like back to back, back to back right? like yeah which is what i planned so yeah. glad you liked it though yeah i mean i i wasn't disappointed i i didn't really have i didn't know what to expect uh i'm not i i have no reference of the source material so yeah i liked it it was cool i'm glad i glad it won all the awards that it did because like it looked fantastic like everything is so detailed and and realistic i mean that's what you're shooting for right like yeah guest eric Petey's wife huge part in the uh the visual effects for that film so kind of a yeah. connection with Very the show impressive. and uh now i've got i've rented sonic the hedgehog one off youtube to see what all the fuss is about so that one was pretty good too i'm actually really i want to see the second one with knuckles which yeah Idris Elba's Knuckles, apparently it's great, and uh, could very well be Jim Carrey's final role out of nowhere, because he says wow. he's retiring from acting. Wow. So, um, end of show stuff? Yeah, end of show stuff. Okay. Our website is ttpopcast.com. The T-Hud Podcast on Facebook, which Moby does a great job at running and keeping the page active. Occasionally. TT Podcast on Instagram. I'm Leland Steele. I've been Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. <laughs>